Good morning. Oh, come on, you guys braved the weather. Good morning. There we go. Thank you. I love it. Hey, my name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Church. It's great to be uh, back in Shawnee. Several of you have asked about my uh, opportunity, my trip. I got to go to the National Prayer Breakfast in D.C. Uh, last week, which was really, really cool. And uh, there's a lot of stories to share and a lot of f- fun things that I had the opportunity to, ex- to experience. But one of the things that I, I, I want to say uh, just to, that I thought was the most encouraging was, and this is not something that our, our popular media sites tell us, but there are still a lot of men and women in Congress and in our Senate that desperately love Jesus and meet weekly to pray, seeking his face and, uh, the thing, uh, and seeking the direction for how we lead our country. And to be able to see these men and women stand up and talk about not using uh, uh, words like uh, words that get thrown around a lot like God and faith, but speaking the name of Jesus and what it looks like to follow him and being very specific in their conversations to those who were in attendance, it was very, very encouraging. So on those days where you're like, you watch the news, and you're like, man, nobody there loves God. Man, that is so not true. There's a lot of people in our nation's capital that are desperately seeking the Lord and his favor on this great country. Amen. And so I wanted to share that with you. So good deal. Well, we are going to continue this morning in Ephesians chapter three, but Before we get there, I want to um, remind us of something. And I want to remind us of why this church was started. Um, If you've been in church for a long time, you've probably gone to churches that are much, much older and much more established than the one you're in right now. New City is just a few weeks past three years old. We're we're a youngin', right? We're we're a young church that God blessed uh, with a lot of favor early on, and we kind of grew fast, so we're like a real chubby toddler, right? Maybe you have one of those. Um, and so a lot of that times we're finding our way, right? There are things that uh, we do now very faithfully that we didn't do in the start because we didn't know, right? We couldn't quite figure it out. And, um, but I want to remind us of some of the, uh, the first love, if you will, of why I moved from South Florida with my wife, Jen, and our family, and why Chris and his wife, Rachel, moved from Northeast Arkansas, and why so many others joined this team, and why many of you have chosen to stay. And it is for the vision that we have for not so much what happens in the context of this hour on Sunday morning, but rather what happens out there Monday through Saturday in the world in which we live. And that's really important, because if we're not careful, our entire Christian faith and our entire thing about following Jesus gets summed up right here, right now. And we want to represent Jesus well. Don't, I mean, I want the worship to be as great as we can do. And I want the teaching to be as great as maybe that I can do. And there's better musicians, sorry Curtis, and there's better teachers, sorry Matt. But, 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 what, but that's not the focus of New City. The focus has been from day one out there. And I thought of a story that, to, to remind us. And it's an old story. Some of you have heard it, many of you haven't. I see a lot of new faces this morning. But way back when the church had just got started, and this is a personal story. This is a story that involves me, and I think that's key because uh, the pastors here at New City Church, we're in it with you. We don't live in a separate Holy Spirit, we live here, right? We deal with the same stuff you deal with, and um, we're not asking you to do something that we're not doing. I think that's really important for you to know. And so it was a long time ago, right when the church first got started, um, I was up here working in the office doing some stuff, and it came time to go home, and so I walk out of the office, which I say office, it's the Kid City Elementary side. We really don't have offices. I had a table set up that I was working from, and anyway, I was leaving, and I jumped in my truck, and as I was getting in my truck and backing out, I noticed this Old brown car, kind of like a Lincoln town car, kind of look, one of those old long ones, you know, called a banana boat, right? Kind of those big old long things. And then um, there was a man, uh, what I caught my eye was there was two men. One was sitting in the passenger side, 
right? The door was open. He was sitting in the passenger side, and his friend was standing by him with the door open. And what caught my eye was this man was wearing khaki pants, and he had messed himself. And you could, you could clearly see it. Now, I would love to tell you that I was full of compassion, and I prayed for that gentleman right then and there, but my snarky attitude was this. Wow, Lord, you make all kinds. That's what I said. I'm not proud of it. That's what I said. And I hit reverse in my truck, and I backed out, and I went to leave, and I remembered I left my backpack and all my goodies inside the church building. So I'm like, well, shoot. You know, I get more frustrated at myself than anybody. And so pull back in the church. I get my stuff. And when I come out this time, something's different. Man's still in the passenger seat. The guy's still standing beside him. The door is still open. But this time, the man sitting down has his foot propped up into the roll-down window section of the car, the passenger door. And the man with a mess in his pants is wrapping his friend's foot with a bandage. Now, I am backed out, and I am pointed to leave, and I, I, I stop. And I just know it's a moment. I just, not because I'm smart, because God says, it kind of hits me. And I roll down my window, and I say to these gentlemen, I'm like, hey, and they turn. And I go, are you okay? And they just look at me, you know, like, what? Who asked that, right? Does it look like I'm okay? You know, I got a mess in my pants and my buddy's got his foot wrapped up. What do you think, moron? Um, they didn't say that. It's my own uh, interpretation of what they were thinking. And um, I said to them, I said, do you need shoes? And the guy sitting down, he looks at me and he does this. He nods his head. And I said, come here. Now, the only shoes I had were the ones I were wearing, right? And they weren't old, junky shoes that you give away because you don't care about, right? They were like shoes that I was wearing. But he wasn't wearing any shoes. And his foot was clearly hurt and bleeding type and wrapped. And, and so he hobbled. I said, what size are you? And he says, I'm like a nine. And I said, well, I'll wear 10. Would it work? And he's looking at me. And I just take them off there while I'm driving. And I give my shoes to this man, right? And he's like, no, and I go, do take them. And I want you to know something. And this is why the heart, the, char- the heart of the church, hear this. It's not about shoes, hear this. I said, I want you to know that God is pursuing you, that God loves you, right? And that the kingdom has come. See, in, in, in the church world, we're not waiting for something to happen and something's going to happen and it's going to be perfect. But until that day comes, we as Jesus followers, we are to be kingdom bearers. We take the kingdom wherever we go. So when you go to Shawano, as that's where my kids go, you know what? When I walk in those doors, I am called to bring kingdom into that place. When you go into your workplace, when you go into your family, when you go into all those broken situa- situations where people have a mess in their pants and their feet are being bandaged, you have the opportunity to drive on by them or you get to say, wow, do you need help? And not only let me pray for you. It's better than that. It's, hey, let me give you the shoes if that's what you need. Jesus said the kingdom has come, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is here. And what did he mean? It was the kingdom is in power. The kingdom is the church. The kingdom is the people. And a lot of times we come and we wait, wait for something miraculous to happen in the Sunday morning context. And if you read the, the book of Acts, th- those things didn't happen in the Sunday morning context a lot. The Spirit came and empowered them. And then as they went about their way into the streets and the marketplace and all those other areas, along the way, Jesus went kaboom through them. That's why we started this church. And man, I want you to love Sunday morning. I love Sunday morning. But I want to inspire you today through Ephesians chapter 3 that what God does in here, we take out there. And as I've said before, I'll say it again. This is the last day you ever go to church. From now on, you will be the church. For the church is just a facility. But the true church, the ecclesia of God, is the very people who move. Are you with me? That's why this church was started. 
is so that we might be a people who hear from the word of God. That's why it's so important to abide and to know what he's saying and then to take that out there. Can I pray for us? And then we're going to jump into the scriptures. Father God, I thank you for today. And I pray for us as a people that you love and that you care for. Jesus, that you might inspire us to hear and then do. That we would show our love for you and how we follow you in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. I want to talk about three words this morning. And those three words are faith, fear, and affection. Faith, fear, and affection. And I would say that those are three really important words in the context of you following Jesus. Faith, fear, and affection. And I want to start this morning by reading our, context, our key context this morning, our key scriptures in Ephesians chapter 3. This is verses 16 through 21. They're in your bulletin and they're on the screen. And if you have a Bible, it's in Ephesians chapter 3. All right. This is what Paul writes. Paul says, I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the, notice this, in the inner person that's inside you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that there's a reason why he wants Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith so that you will, you, because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend or understand with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power that is working within us is able to do far beyond all that we ask or think, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Faith, fear, and affection. I want to talk to you this morning about what faith is. Paul writes in that scripture, he says that Christ may dwell, he may live, right? He may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may reside, he may take up residence. Now, how does he do that? Jesus said that when it is best for you that when I leave, because when I leave, who's going to come? The Holy Spirit. And so the very spirit that resides in Christ now resides in us as people of God, as the children of Jesus, right? And so the Holy Spirit is in us. We are in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, like 11 times, Paul writes, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Like everything that we have in God is because of Jesus. Not because of you and how good you are or what you've done, but in Christ. And so, therefore, he says that, uh, let's read it again, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that Jesus may be alive and well through your faith. Let's talk about what faith is, because I think if we're not careful, we will have a distorted definition of faith, and you're asking Jesus, you're asking God to do something that he's never committed to doing for you. Look at this quote here from M.J. Stanford. Uh, my friend Mark gave me this book called The Complete Green Letters. Really enjoyed it, and this was in the very first chapter. The gentleman talks about faith. He says, For faith is not a force that we exercise or a striving to believe that something will, uh, shall be, thinking that if we believe hard enough, it will come to pass. That may be positive thinking, but certainly not biblical faith. And oftentimes, that's what we confuse faith, right? You get down on your knees, maybe you're in your room, or you sit down in the chair, and you fold your hands really, really tight, and you're, you just wish, 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 pray, 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 hope, 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 hope. Now, sometimes those things are related to Scripture. Like, you, 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 you're, like you're kind of touching it. You may not even be on purpose, but you're touching things that are promised to you in Scripture. But oftentimes, if we're not careful, our prayers are no different than blowing out birthday candles. Right? You've all done that, right? Somebody lost a candle at your birthday, right? And they tell you to what? Make wish. And a lot of times our prayers are no more than that because they're just based on wishful thinking, not found on the things in Scripture. So I wanted to share this with you. Faith is based on facts, and facts are found in Scripture. Faith is based on facts, and facts are found in Scripture. 
right? So what does this mean? This is why it is so important that you and I are making the time and making the effort to sit with Jesus every day and abide. Abide is not a word we use a lot, but it's this idea where you, the term we use is we say here that you're here on purpose. And at my home, I have a chair in a room, and every day my rear hits that chair, and when my rear hits that chair, I say to the Lord, Lord, I'm here on purpose. You know why I say that? Because there's a lot of things I could be doing, just as you have got to do. We're all busy. And that's the, one of the problems with our culture. We're, our, our calendars are so packed with stuff to do, so many TV shows to watch, and so many fun things to be a part of, and so many things to see what's trending, and so many hashtags to search. I mean, there's so many things that can occupy our free time that when my rear hits my chair and I say, Lord, I'm here on purpose, it's, I'm there on purpose. I'm, I'm, not doing this, so, I mean, I'm not doing that so that I can do this. And when I was in that, I was thinking, how do we um, help our people at New City begin to abide? And so I started the blog. And many of you have been reading that. Uh, not everyone has. But if you're like, I don't know what to read. I don't know what to pray every day. Uh, most days of the week, actually, probably like six of the seven days of the week, I post on the blog what I'm reading, kind of what I'm thinking, kind of a spiritual thought or idea. And I received this email and I wanted to read it to you because um, this story might be your story, specifically if you're a person who you, you don't read the Bible and you're never in God's word. And see, here's the problem when you're not in God's word. You don't have very many facts. And because you don't have very many facts, then what are you basing your faith on? Are you, are you tracking with me? And so what if, what if right now is the only time this week that you've been in God's word, which very well may be the case for some of you? Well, you're going to hear some facts from me. One out of seven days, a 30-minute talk, Within all the hours that this week holds, you're going to get some facts. But what if you had this, and then you had seven other meals throughout the week? What if you started your day in the Word, right? You were here on purpose, and you said, well, I don't want to read. Well, that's why God gave me you, right? Or, yeah, whatever, right? I've got a blog. You can read it. You can read what I'm reading. It's, there's deeper stuff out there, I promise you. But what if you started your day, and then you began to get more facts, in the scripture, this is what Mallory says. She says, I would like to thank you so much for the time you spend making the blog every day. One of the first times I attended New City, I heard your message on abiding. God really spoke to me through your message, and I've been abiding daily since. I have a three-year-old son, so I enjoy, uh, I have a three-year-old, so I enjoy w- waking before the sun comes up and spending time in prayer and in the Word. Your thoughts today made me smile. Uh, she's referring back to the blog. I have become a self-feeder. What is she referring to? That she's no longer relying on me or someone else to chew the scriptures for her and then, like a mama bird, feed them to her. She is able to open her Bible on her own and begin to read and be a self-feeder. And that is the goal for every Christian, that we become a person who is a self-feeder, that you can dive into the Word. I want to give you an example of biblical faith, all right? how it's not wishful thinking, how you would exercise this or plan this out. Uh, my favorite scripture in the Bible is Matthew 6.33. And in Matthew 6.33, Jesus says this. He says, but above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, the way I memorized it was the first scripture that I memorized. The way I memorized it uh, was like, it was this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And that scripture had a huge impact on my life, on my development as a Christ follower, on what I was going to base my faith on. So let's look at some faith facts from this, from this scripture right here. What are the facts? Well, the first one is this. Jesus says that it is most important above all else. I'm just giving you an exercise here, right? It is most important that we pursue his kingdom. That's a fact. Jesus said it. Above all else, pursue the kingdom. You go, what is that? Well, I define it as this. 
Some of you may know this. It's a pop quiz. I hope you don't fail. For those of you who have been with us for a long time. The kingdom is made up of three things. Prosperity, integrity, and justice. That wherever your feet take you, the place should be better. It should be more prosperous. Integrity should be in the room. And justice should be there because the kingdom... Look where Jesus went. Everywhere Jesus went, the place got better. The place got more just. And integrity went to a new level. And so Jesus says that above all, the fact is, we must, it's a very important that we pursue the kingdom. The second thing is this, that we also pursue his righteousness. Notice it's not your righteousness. You're not very righteous, neither am I, but we pursue his righteousness. Remember what Paul says? In Christ. In Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ. And so we pursue his righteousness. How do you live? What's the life of righteousness look like? I like to say this. Living righteously is simply this. And teenagers, this is good for you. Living a life with no secrets. Being a person who is living righteously is being a person that you're living with no secrets. There's nothing you're hoping your wife doesn't find out or your parents find out or your friends find out. Nothing that you hope that your boyfriend or girlfriend finds out that you are an open book. You're not afraid of your search engine being looked at. You're not afraid of somebody getting on your computer. You don't have to have Snapchat on your phone. You're a person who has no secrets to hide. Jesus says kingdom and righteousness above all. That's a fact in Scripture. And here's the faith. Faith is based on facts. Facts are found in Scripture. So what can our faith be put in? The faith is in this. When we pursue His kingdom and righteousness, we can have faith that we will be completely provided for. Now, if you're not seeking the things of the Lord, and you are a person who's keeping secrets, and you're keeping sins hidden in your life, and you're hoping that this doesn't happen or that happens, then you can't hold to the facts. Are you with me? A lot of the times we want all these things, but we don't want to hold on to the facts that the faith is based on. We want, well, sure, I want God, I want you to give me everything I would ever need. But I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do, and then I, I want to have my cake and eat it too. We haven't been talking about birthday candles, let's talk about cake, right? I want to have my cake. I want to be able to pursue the things that I want to pursue. When I want to look at it, I want to look at it. When I want to do it, I want to do it. But I also, Lord, because I prayed, I want you to do what you said you would do. And Jesus says, hey, listen, here's the facts. When you pursue me, when you pursue righteousness, then, right, you can have faith that I will completely take care of you. Man, can I tell you something? Jesus never lies. And God is so faithful that when you seek him and you're doing your best and when you mess up, you confess that, you don't continue down a pathway of sin, he will completely provide for you. Question for you is this. What are you basing your faith on? Where are you getting your facts? Is it wishful thinking? Is it hopes? Or is it based on the word of God? Put in your bulletin, these things right here. More facts equals more faith. When I talk about facts, I'm talking about scripture, right? More facts, more faith, less facts, less faith. Now here's um, something I want us to know. I've talked three words, faith, fear, and affection. Here's where the second word comes in. When you lack or when I lack or when we lack faith, we will live in fear. When we lack faith, we live in fear. What I mean by that is when you don't know what God says about you, when you don't know what Jesus has promised concerning you, it's very easy to live in fear. When you don't know why, when you don't know why God's doing what he's doing, when you can't understand, it's really easy to live in fear. Uh, a story for you that I think helps me unpack this. I have a three-year-old son named Luke. This is my boy. This is us at Disney a couple of weeks ago with the Army Man. Um, he my buddy, right? Best buddies. And uh, this is a picture of him on the Seven Dwarfs ride, clutching his hands in prayer before we start, right? It's the next picture there. And um, uh, 
He, he's, my, he's my boy. I love that kid. I mean, I got two precious little girls. But that, one, that one's got my name. Those other girls, you're going to fall in love with some bozo, right? But he, he's going to, right? And, um, and my son is extremely, he, he's like us. He, he wants his way. And he wants, at three, he wants to do what he wants to do. Man, he's so determined and he's so hard-headed. Oh, my gosh. Luke can take me to a whole nother level, right? Well, several weeks ago, he started this thing. I don't know where. It's not even, it's not, it hasn't been in, in succession. It just, every once in a while. But he started this deal where he walked into his preschool class, walks in and goes, yeah, I'm not going. Took his mom, says, I'm not going today. And then proceeds to throw the biggest, stupidest fit you've ever seen in your life. Like somebody's killing the kid, right? To the point where mama brought him home. Well, on the second time that happened, I happened to be home. And I said, all right, bud, <laughs> to your room. No playing with toys. You're gonna, the whole time you're supposed to be in school, you're going to be on your bed. Life is going to be miserable for you, right? Because this is, and then, so he, he does that. No, no fight. He's got his way. The bed's better than school in Luke's opinion, right? And we close the door, and I say to my wife, and we have this conversation. We both agree that uh, there's no way a three-year-old will run the Miller household. Which that's a great parenting principle if you're struggling with that, right? A three-year-old should not rule the household. And, man, we can't raise a kid who understands that throwing a fit is going to get him to do out of things. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, we're going to fight the good fight, right? We're going to do this. Oh, man. What a punk kid I got. So the next several weeks uh, after that, we take him to school. And, you know, because he's gone to school since, right? Hey, okay, we, that, that thing on the bed, fix the deal. And then get a call one day from Mama. I got a kid that says he's not going to school today. I said, put him on the phone. Here I am, I'm a 37-year-old man talking to a 3-year-old. This is not ridiculous, right? And I'm like, Luke? Yeah, Dad. What's the problem? I don't want to go to school. Why? It's creepy. It's boring. He gives me all the reasons that he doesn't want to go to bed, right? All the same stuff. And I go, I didn't ask you if you wanted to go. I'm telling you you're going to school, okay? Okay, Dad. Hang up the phone. I'd get on the phone. Hey, I think he's okay. Hang up the phone. That's right. Super Dad right here. Took care of it. One phone call, right? Now, those of you who have kids like Luke, you know that this story is not over, all right? <laughs> Next, I get a phone call from Jen. It says, hey, uh, I dropped him off at the classroom. I'm standing outside. They had to bring another teacher in from the office. This kid is losing his mind in there. And I go, what do you want me to do? And I go, you think I should come up there? And she goes, I think so. You know, and that's a mom don't want to do that, you know. But here comes dad. And man, I'm telling you on the way up there, I'm like, come on, bust this kid's butt. Now, you may not be in favor of busting butts, but the Miller household, sometimes we do that. And like I said, Luke can take me to a whole other level. And it's rare because I know that his nose in the corner is way more painful than a spanking, right? But at this time, I'm just going to beat him up. That's what I want to do, right? <laughs> and, uh, but I get there. And I walk in, and the teacher's holding Luke, and he's losing his mind. And when he sees me, fear is all over his face. And when I saw that, I'm like, no way do I want that to be my son's reaction when he sees his daddy walk in the room. And so my thought of I'm going to bust his butt on the way up there completely changed to compassion with obedience attached to it. Please hear that. Because the end of the story, I did not take my son home. You need to know that. But I had compassion as his dad. And, I, and he thinks he's going to get it, right? You know, daddy's here. Uh-oh. And I take him to the bathroom in his classroom, and I keep the door open so the teachers don't think I'm killing him. I do, seriously. And I, I sit down, and I get down in front of him like this. He's sitting on the little toilet. And I said, buddy, what's the deal? <laughs> you know, and his excuses are stupid, you know. And I go, listen, sorry. I said, listen, you're going to school. You're going to stay in school today. You know what he says to me? 
No, I'm not. Oh, son, I'm going to knock you out, right? But the compassion, right? I'm like, Luke, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you're going to school. No, I'm not. I'm, it's boring. I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I've got it. Like He left that day after school and said, told his mom he didn't need to go back because he learned everything. That's what my kid said. Um, now, I'm going to pause on the story because where Luke's story ends and where yours ends with this context with, with God, this, the story split apart. Because, see, I made Luke stay in school. I made him go to school that day. And he got preoccupied with the fun little craft and ended up staying. But oftentimes, what happens with you and I, God says to us, right, as we read the scriptures and we understand, he says, this is what I want you to do. And you and all of your three-year-old stubbornness look at God and say, no, I'm not. I'm not going to school. And here's the problem. When you don't have the facts, you lack the faith. And when you lack the facts and your faith is based on your emotions or what you think or what you hope for, all of a sudden your Christian life begins to be lived out in fear. That way when God steps into your life, you begin to shake and you're all afraid because daddy's in the room. But see, what Luke doesn't know yet, and what I'm trying to teach him, and what we oftentimes struggle to understand as people, is that God has a great deal of love for you. See, Luke has no idea how much I love him. I mean, no idea. And it's not that I want him to go to school to punish him and to make his life stink. Not at all. I want him to learn. And I want him to be smarter and learn how to work with other people, learn how to share. and all the, I want him to be around other boys. He's in a house full of women. I want him to, know, I want him to have a, be well-rounded on social skills and learning skills. And God is the same way with you and I. He loves us so much. He cares for you. But yet we don't understand that because we're not in his word where we understand his love for us to read his love. And so therefore you kind of think that God goes through this life with a pointed finger pointing at all your mistakes just waiting to bust your butt. And there are times when God needs to bust your butt. Amen? All right, he's busted mine. But every time God needs to discipline you, it's not this big, hard, heavy hammer. Sometimes he wants to get down and look at you in the eyes and say, what's the problem here? God completely loves you. Look what, well, I, I wanted to look at what Paul says. Paul says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and thus to know the love of Christ. When you see that word love, a fun word to often use is the word commitment. Commitment to regardless of. I love saying that. Commitment to regardless of. Jesus is so committed to you. And Paul says that if you had any, under, uh, any idea at the scope of God's commitment to you, it would blow your mind. Actually, I don't think it would blow your mind. I think it would lead you to the third word, which is a great affection for the Lord. A great affection for the Lord. I want my boy Luke to listen to his daddy, not because of fear, but because he knows the facts, and the facts are this, that his dad loves him more than anything. And I'm going to do everything in my power to set him up for success. And the same thing is true for you. I want you to put this in your bulletin. Jesus is for you. See, some of you don't even believe that, but Jesus is for you. He's not for your nonsense. Beware. He's not for your sin. He's not for your love of pornography. He's not for your greed. He's not for your lying. He's not for your adul uh, adultery. He's not for your uh, sleeping around. He's not for the sins in your life, but he is for you. He is for you. And because he is for you, listen, that's why we should live for him. 
And so all of these things that tend to steal our affections, that's the third word, all of these things that tend to steal our affections and what we find ourselves being committed to, Jesus is just looking at us saying, listen, look what I have done for you. Look how much I am for you. Why do you still love that more than me? And in my heart as your pastor is this, is that we wouldn't be obedient and we wouldn't just read our Bible because God's going to come in and bust our butt if we don't, but we would do it because God loves you and he is for you and he wants the best for your life. And he knows that as long as you are in love with these other things, these substitute gods, these little gods, these fake things, it's going to destroy your life. Jesus is completely for you, church. And yet our affections burn for other things. Makes no sense, right? Jesus is completely for you, and yet our affections burn for things of the flesh. Jesus says, I have a plan for you. I have a desire for you, but yet you can't achieve that because you're pursuing the things of the world. Your skin is pulling you in the opposite direction of Jesus. You need to know that. Your flesh and Jesus never walk in the same directions. You are born in this natural body that's full of sin, and we are completely deprived, and we need the Lord. We need His affection. Thank God for Jesus. And your skin will pull you away. Like today, you may be going, wow, Matt, this is really, okay, Jesus is for me. And you're going to walk out there, and culture is going to scream at you, right? And your belly's going to lead you a direction, and your mind's going to lead you in a direction, and your midsection's going to lead you in a direction. And before long, you're again not walking in the direction of the Lord. You're walking in the direction of where you want to go. And that's why Paul says, I hope that you will discover that as Jesus lives in you through faith, the facts in Scripture, that you would begin to understand from the facts in Scripture that Jesus loves you so very much. And because His love for you burns so big, because you're discovering it in the facts of Scripture, that you begin to point your affections towards Him. And you begin to tell the things of this life, no. And you begin to say no. And you begin to say no because I'm affectionate towards I love I love Jesus. What does your heart burn for? At my grandmother's funeral, the pastor shared these three things about a person's life. He said, I can look at their calendar, I can look at their checkbook, and I can look at their Bible and tell you where they gave their time, where they gave their time, where they gave their money, and what their spiritual life looked like. Based on those three things, what would, your, what would, what would those three things identify about your affections? Where do you spend the majority of your time? Where do you spend the majority of your money? Is it on kingdom purpose things? Or is it on you you personal things? Seek the kingdom and seek his righteousness. And then all of these things, the things that you're worrying about, the things that's concerning you, you don't have to let your 401k, those stock options, all that stuff. Listen, Jesus says, if you seek the kingdom and you seek my righteousness, all of these things, what was he talking about? Read Matthew chapter 6 and 7. He's talking about the birds of the air and he's talking about being dressed by the, the lilies. And the, I mean, he's, he's talking about the daily needs that we have. But yet our affections burn for other things. It is my hope for us as we continue, right? As we continue to grow and we continue to follow the Lord. And maybe you're continuing to say, hey, you know, New City is going to be my place of worship. I'm going to continue to press into you and lean into you. That we be a people that's affections burn for Jesus. There's a scripture I've been reading in Mark that really hit me hard. It's a simple scripture. It's not in your notes. Just thought about it right now. This was a part of my here on purpose time some time ago. And um, let me find it. Yeah, chapter 2 of Mark says this. Now after some days when he returned to Capernaum, the news spread that he was home. 
So many people gathered there that was no longer room, not even by the door, and he preached the word to them. And this has been my prayer for you this week and specifically this morning, is that, that Jesus would be at home here. And when Jesus is at home, guess what happens? The word gets out. So what does that mean? That these walls become spiritual? No. Come on. It means we have better graphics? No. The people of this church are with the Lord in such a way that he makes his home within them, that he is dwelling in them, and our faith is based on the facts of Scripture, that it begins to change the direction of your life. And people around you begin to know that Jesus is at home. I have no doubt in my mind that the more we abide, the more we are in Christ, the more this ministry will make an impact in our city. The more you will make an impact in your family, the more you will make an impact at your workplace. No doubt in my mind. But it starts with you being in Christ. So the band's going to come up, and we're going to do this awesome song. They did a great job this morning uh, called Our God. You guys know this song. And it is a song that's talking about God being for us. God being for us. And so as we prepare to worship, I want uh, to lead us in a prayer of affection towards the Lord. Okay? Now here's the thing that I want us to start with. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And not because that's spiritual, but so you're not looking around. And I want you to, I want you to think about this. Personal question, I'm asking you and your neighbors, is between you and the good Lord. What do your affections burn for? And just confess it to the Lord. I know God's on your list, but what's above God on your list? And what is the Lord saying to you? What is the Lord saying to you about His position and His order on your affectionate list? Father, may we we be a people who our affections burn for you. May we be a people who completely love you. And that is evident by the way in which we live. Not what we say, but rather by what we do. So Lord, I ask that as we worship and conclude today's message from your scriptures, that we would leave here a people focused on dying to self, as the scriptures say, and living for you. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. In Jesus' name that we pray these things.